0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby
1: pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking ahead to the third round of action in the Six Nations this weekend, discussing the best of the Premiership and the URC, and we'll be having a chat with Wales legend Jonathan Davies about all the goings-on in Welsh rugby. Settle back, enjoy, and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automated excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, dot com Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn
1: more. I'm trying not to laugh. What, what are you laughing at?
3: Andy wrote, you. your face is swollen. It's red as anything, something's happened, what's wrong with you? Looks like you've been doing something to a rug with your face, like as in some <laughs> weird,
1: you've been eating the cat food from the rug or something, you, like you're hungry, you're starving. Well, I ate something that wasn't quite right, We spent the weekend in Copenhagen, I went out for dinner for our anniversary on Saturday night, and then uh, all Saturday night, all Sunday, been up with the spews with food poisoning, so yeah, wasn't cat food. But it was something, something dodgy. Did
0: you lose a load of weight? Any chance of sending it this way or not? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> haven't lost, haven't lost a whole lot. But um, you'll be the first to know if I do, Goodie. How How's your week? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Happy
3: anniversary, Thanks, Andy Rowe. Thanks, mate. Happy anniversary. Just give me some more details. I'm like, as in, this is worst nightmare stuff for me. Getting ill when I'm not at home, or even worse on a plane. So you, you and your lovely. Wife, Jackie, did you both get ill? So if you're up in the night, who's spewing, who's shitting, who's in the bath, who's in the sink,
1: who's on the floor, who's out the window? I need more gory details, please. All of the above. So we're in the hotel room, and we're both spewing, both firing from both ends. Jackie's going to love me telling you this. Where, though? Where? Up the walls, on the floor, in the sink, on the bed. Grim. Grim. Happy anniversary. Hold on a minute. You shut the bed. No, I didn't shit the bed, but no, it was it wasn't it wasn't wasn't very nice. So we had to spend. So ring up the hotel in the morning and just say, oh, can we can we just get maybe a, a late check in? So they let us paid us we paid them forty quid. Stayed in bed until about four pm on Sunday, and then went straight to the airport. Got the got the plane home and slept on the way home on the plane. And then all the uh, the trains were cancelled when we got to get work, so...
0: Rewind, rewind. You paid 40 quid to get a late checkout. Where were you staying? Some hostel or something? <laughs> How's Not- it 40 quid? <laughs> no wonder you got the shits.
3: <laughs> and that is like worst nightmare stuff. And there's a story that I know around the Scotland lads when they were in Fiji. I don't know whether they... Got something in Fiji on the plane home, but can you imagine like a team of 30 rugby players getting ill on the way, out, on the way back on a long haul flight? Apparently they're hanging out the toilets, one's in the sink, one's got their head down the toilet. <laughs> it's everywhere. I don't know why I'm laughing because it's like worst nightmare. Shit, no pun intended, Andy Rose. So anyway, happy anniversary. Thanks, mate. And I hope the first night in Copenhagen was lovely. Oh, it's beautiful. Didn't
0: it happen to you on, a, on the rugby field
3: once? Yeah, it did, yeah. But, I mean, it's not not like that. It was just in my hand.
0: You shot yourself on a rugby pitch? Yeah, i told you that before. No, never. Yeah, quarterfinal,
3: World Cup, Stade de France, playing against Argentina. Thought I was nervous. Uh, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Scott Murray was meant to play because I was ill in the lead-up to the game, but he hadn't brought his boots, so they tried to get a moped to go back to the hotel and get his boots. He'd been on the Sky Gamble for two weeks, because I'd taken his place and he weren't very happy. And then it got to the game and I had to carry on playing. So I got like an anti-sickness injection and then one scrum went done. I am absolutely hanging. And then tss, like that. And it just just <laughs> s- split out the side. So I remember coming off of James Robson, and I says, yeah, just pretend I've ruptured my hamstring off the bone, James, because I'm coming off and there's shit everywhere. White shorts? I can't remember. I remember it didn't come through. You didn't see it come through because I went into the showers and took them off. And then it, it was all congealed in the cycling shorts. Oh, so my God. Went back out. And because I'm an absolute legend, there was some crowd and there were some fans there that were just wanting socks and cycling shorts. So
0: <laughs> someone's got
1: them. <laughs> Gary, did you have a good weekend, mate?
0: Yeah, it kind of went wrong again for me at the weekend. It was the missus's birthday, and I said I wasn't going to drink again for a while until we get to a live show, which is actually this week in Cardiff, isn't it? But went out with some friends in Mayfair on Saturday night, and I went a little bit too heavy. I thought it was my birthday. It wasn't. It was the missus', but I just, it was enjoying myself with friends, and two bottles of wine leads to three, leads to four. Don't want to go home. Telling the driver, no, just wait another half an hour, mate. I was a bit dusty yesterday up at Leicester, but all good. The Goody came out. Goody,
1: fucking (laughs) Goody.
0: Where you're normally Andrew. I need to find my off switch. I can't find it at the minute. So um, it won't be found in Cardiff this week either.
1: No, well, Cardiff on the 23rd of February. That's this Thursday. Wales v England we're going to be previewing that with Ross Moriarty and we want to get another massive crowd together so we're offering two for one tickets so get your mate the missus or the mister and get signed up at Eventbrite or just go to our website rugbypod.com there's also a free pint of Guinness for each attendee so not many better ways to spend a Thursday evening ahead of a massive weekend of rugby Welsh rugby at the moment looks like an absolute shit show is the game against England going to be going ahead
0: who knows They've given three demands, the players, to the Wru that they want sorting by Wednesday, otherwise they go on strike. So Wednesday's the big day. Obviously, we're recording on a Monday. It comes out on Tuesday, so we won't have the information until it all comes out. But they want the 60 cap rule abolished, which I fully understand when you've got no one in Wales being able to sign a contract past July 1st next year. Who knows what the hell's going on? They need that rule abolishing. There's something in their contracts where they're only guaranteed eighty percent of their value of the contract, which they want taken out as well. Which, from a player's perspective, is the right thing to do. You want to know what you're guaranteed to earn, and you can't be signing a contract. Argument's sake, oh, here's a contract for hundred grand, but you might only get eighty. No, 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 that's not how it works. And obviously, the numbers are going to be very different for each individual. And then the third one is getting a voice on the board in terms of the decision-making process around. The professional game in Wales. So three demands. The WRU would be absolutely crazy, stupid, ridiculous. Call them anything you want, to not agree to those three things. Let's not forget it is a game about the players and ultimately if they do go on strike this weekend, it'll cost the WRU about ten million quid by all accounts. And the reputational damage around missing a a Six Nations game and everything that goes with that, the Wru have got themselves in absolute knots here. And poor management, ridiculous, leaving it so late to sign the, the deal to get the funding for the four regions, which leaves the players in limbo. And it's it's an absolute disgrace. But hey, this is Rugby Union at the minute. It's ran by Cowboys and none more so than in Wales. What drama though. But it's horrible though, isn't it? When you think mm-hmm. about it, it's
3: absolutely horrible. It is horrible. And I listened to Alan Wynne-Jones and Warren Gatland's press conference. And one thing, I wish Alan Wynne-Jones went a bit harder. One thing that he kept... Repeating and reiterating was, I know there's a cost of living crisis. I know that other people have lost jobs, and he was very apologetic towards the media and the public that they're in this position. Mate, you don't need to be apologetic at all. Like you're giving your body, you're giving your your lives, not as in, in terms of life or death, but in terms of your whole being to the game of rugby, and you've got no idea what's going on. You're on a sinking ship. This isn't something that's just happened like that. It's You could feel it was coming and Wales being as successful as they were, without being horrible, has papered over the cracks of years gone by and it's just come to a head, hasn't it? Like there's a few things that Goody said there. The 60 cap rule has to go. There's no doubt about that now. Like with Scotland, we've got two pro teams and we don't do it like that. To be fair, I think the premiership should do the same thing. I I think players should be able to go and play wherever they want to play and earn as much money as they, they can because it's a professional sport, it's a dangerous sport, but there's that part of it as well. The whole thing needs a shake up. You look at the attendances, and this will be the argument, right? Is like, how is it sustainable to pay some players half a million pound a year, when you've got 2000 people in a 40,000 seat stadium Ospreys, or Scarlets, or Dragons, or Cardiff? It's beyond drama. It's like, it's so messy. I couldn't even imagine being in that situation. and. Some of the players are coming out that you read that are in the Wales camp, that they're taking antidepressants and stuff to get through this time. And, you know, there's turmoil at home because people deal with it in different ways, right? Not everyone gets paid six figures, 100 grand a year, 150 grand, 200 grand. A lot of these players will be on 40, 50 grand a year, less. And they've got no idea what they're doing. Imagine going into a game down to South Africa to play against the Lions or the Bulls, and you're getting absolutely annihilated in the tackle and then... You get caught wrong. You rupture your ACL. You're out for a year. You imagine getting on that plane home. You've got no idea what's happening. You wouldn't
1: get a contract. They'd be like, we can't contract you. Looking at the WIU, can you guys see any glaring mistakes that they've made on the road to getting here that could have prevented this? Well, look at the back
3: office. Look at the stuff that's gone by over the last few months with the allegations of assault and sexual misconduct in the offices. So there's clearly some deep-rooted issues, right? both culturally, historically, and it's rearing its head in all different ways, isn't it? So I'm not close enough to it to know what has really, really gone on. Obviously, you hear rumours. We know people that are involved in some of the teams and people high up and agents, and you hear all of these different things, but there's some deep-rooted issues, and the Welsh team being as successful as it has been has papered over them cracks, hasn't it? And from where I look... And again, it's comfortable in my office. I've got a job. You know, we do a podcast. Everything's all rosy. It's easy to say they need to get rid of a team or two or merge all the teams.
0: What do you mean, get rid of the Dragons,
3: Jim? You're horrible. Actually, out of all of them, it looks like, apart from them losing, it seems the most sustainable one. I don't imagine their salary cap is that high. There's a nice little setup down at Rodney Parade. They got a cool name in the
0: dragons. Hold on. A nice little setup down at Rodney Parade. You're always berating it, going, Who wants to go to Rodney Parade on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday? Like absolutely no one.
3: But there there are some people that live next to the chip shop opposite here that <laughs> love at <it> that. <there>. So <laughs> Well, you know what? I listened to something there. We're talking about the Ospreys, right? The Ospreys were merged together, Neath and Swansea, two of the fiercest rivals, right? Of Welsh rugby. And when we were younger, Goody, mate, used to be Scared going to Wales back in the day, playing like proper club teams, like hard Welsh, well followed lads from the valleys, from the farms, from the coal mines, like that kind of old historic thing that you think about with Welsh rugby. And having spent a bit of time, Goody obviously with James Hook, we've done a few interviews with him. I've spent some time with a few of the Welsh lads down there chatting to Tom Shanklin. That, That foundation and that heartbeat of Wales is gone. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah. it's gone deeply, deeply wrong somewhere. I don't know whether this game at the weekend, this game, bloody this game, one of the biggest games on the calendar of any game, it might scrape through, but is that going to change it? It's not. Something big needs to happen. And it's not for me to say I, I have my opinion, but I'm comfortable sat here with a job in my office at home or when we're in the studio doing the podcast and people's lives are affected by it. It is... Tragic.
0: The bottom line is they've got to save money. They've got to cut costs somewhere. Where they've made the big errors is leaving it to the last minute to get everything agreed. Like they should have been doing this two or three years before the agreement was up. Yeah, you know, I know we had the pandemic and it's, it's been difficult to plan certain things, but leaving it to the the absolute last minute. And it's probably a massive amount of arrogance saying, well, this is what it is to so deal with it from the WRU. And that's not how you negotiate. That's not how you get loyalty from your players and look after. Ultimately, the, the most important people are everyone that you employ, the Wru, whether that's a player, a member of staff at any of the clubs that are trying effectively to make the game in Wales as, as good as it can be and improve it, you know, day on day at each region to benefit the Wru and, and the Welsh team. So it's madness. And you go back to Will Carling many years ago, where he said the RFU was run by fifty-seven old farts. I think it's even more now. I think there's probably a few more than fifty-seven, and it's across the board. At the RFU, at the WIU. NZRU. NZRU, there you go, Andy Roo. This is where we're at in terms of world rugby and everything that we've talked about previously. Nothing's ever happened, has it?
1: Well, we can get an inside track on what is going on across the Seven Bridge now. Wales legend Jonathan Davies joins us. How are you, mate?
4: I'm good. I'm good. I think I'm glad I've retired with all this hassle going on.
0: (laughs) Jiffy, great to have you on. First question, is there going to be a game this week? What do you know? Because we're ready. England are coming to town but there might not be a Welsh team to play against.
4: Oh, no, I, I don't think anyone knows unless you're around the table if it's on or not. It's a serious threat. You know, it's it's a well-timed threat, really. You know, it's the biggest earner for the WIU. The players know that. How that's going to, you know, have a knock-on effect if the game doesn't go on, you know, to the regions and their finances, I'm not sure. But I just I just feel that it's a decision they all came to and they had to, had to do it, you know, because it is. It's a scandalous position to be in. You know, you can't expect players to perform when they've been promised, you know, finances to be sorted. I think it was pre-Christmas or whatever. And they're still in a situation. I think it was highlighted by young you know, Jack Dixon of the Dragons. He went off injured. I'm not, I think he's up for contract renewal. And his confidence must be shattered. And, and he's worried because who's going to sign a guy who's injured? I suppose, you know, It's it's it makes it harder. So they're serious about it. And hopefully... They can get all get on the table and get it sorted, ASAP. Really, so you know, because everybody wants the game to go ahead, and I'm sure all the players would. But unfortunately, they, they've they've been caught up in this situation. You know, it's 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 not a great reflection on on Welsh rugby and the and they've they've had a kind of a disastrous last couple of months.
3: What's your gut feeling, Jiffy? Yay or nay? We're recording on Monday, so.
4: Yeah, I I think it'll go on. I think gut feeling, everybody wants it to happen. Hopefully, this will be put to bed. And because everybody wants it, you've got to have a business plan. The region's got to know where they are. The players' got to know where they are. And, you know, we've always been told just concentrate on your rugby. That's all the players want to do. But they can't do it because of, you know, the the financial situation.
0: I try and look at things normally from both sides. I'm 100% behind the players here in terms of what they're asking for, which I don't think is too much, especially the three things they're sort of trying to get pushed through before they call off the strike. But what's your take on it from someone that's at the heart of rugby in Wales, has been for years and understands both sides of the coin, I'd say?
4: Yeah, I I can understand. I think, Andy, the problem is the union don't trust the regions. The regions don't trust the union. I don't think the regions trust each other. So that's always been an issue. And you've got kind of five parts to this. They They should work in harmony you know for everyone to to get better because they need the grassroots they need the regions and then all of a sudden you've got wales okay so for me i I just think that it's the union's fault that it's come to this i think they had to try and nail it down you know asap and i can understand that maybe the regions have squandered the money i think i do think that players across the board now not only in wales i think They've got to look at players' salaries. When you get clubs like Worcester and, and Wasp going through, then you've had Leicester, they needed a cash injection, didn't they? You know, it's it's not sustainable. So, you know, they've got to look at contracts and players will go, oh, yeah, but why are we taking a cut? Because for the longevity of the game, they have to and, and have realistic, realistic kind of salaries. And I don't know how that's going to work, whether they go anyone on existing contracts, you know, you see that out and then from what well, your contract's up, Then you've got to look at realistic salaries. So what they need first and foremost is a trust between the the lot of them. I don't even know what Gatlin's going to be doing. Is he staying? Is he going to be a rugby director? But what influence is he going to have over the regions? The regions won't want him to come in because he's an union rep. So this, this this is an opportunity for me to have total reform. You know, on on finances, on the rugby, on the culture in the WIU, you need a CEO to run the business, and you need a, a an either a CEO or a director of rugby to run the rugby. Because we we've been failing the youngsters. I'm looking at it now, and we haven't got strength in depth in any. And I and I do blame, you know, coaching at the lower level. When you get to a, a region standard, first class, first class standard, you shouldn't have to be taught how to pass or how to kick or how which tackle the to, to to use in a, in a in a tackle i think we failed the youngsters coming through as well because we've neglected you know the finances at um, at grassroots and, and age group rugby
3: watching the interviews uh, last week the press conference with Warren Gatland and Alan wynne Jones maybe i've read it wrong from what i saw or i'm reading between the lines but it looked like gats was really frustrated with the situation, obviously, but it seemed like there was a frustration with Alan Wynne-Jones and the players. Uh, is there a bit of a split or a divide, do you think, between the coaches and the players or not? Did I read it wrong?
4: He's not in a good position and maybe you know, he shouldn't have said the things that he said because no matter how you say it or what you say, people are going to read into it differently. You know, Some people are going to go, oh, he doesn't support the players. You know, he He's not cutting his salary. But I think he's sympathising with the players to be in this position. But unfortunately, his role is to get the best team on the pitch on Saturday against England, the biggest game. So, you know, he's, he's caught in a very, very difficult position. I think he's a player's, a players man, I think. So he, I think he supports everything the players do, but he's caught up because the union are paying him. So it's a very difficult situation for him to try and keep, you know, everyone happy. Yeah, it's really difficult. And one of the ones
0: I want to ask you about, it's come out today, you mentioned about the young lads and, and failing the youth Coming through, one of your brightest stars, Joe Hawkins, has just signed for Exeter Chiefs and, that, and that's been announced. How does that sit? Because ultimately, you know, is that all purely to do with the lack of a deal being struck and him being able to sign a deal with the Ospreys? I
4: think so. He must be at a contract in May. He's playing for Wales. His stock is high. I'm sure the Ospreys didn't want him to go because they brought him through. But all of a sudden, because of the situation he's under financially, he's got to look after himself. And you're going to go, right, if they do scrap the 60-cap rule, he goes over there, he can play anyway. So it's all about timing. You know, if, you're, if, you're in, if you've got another year to go to your contract, it's not too bad because it should get sorted. i <laughs> know saying that, it should get sorted. But um, you'd be okay. The thing is, it's got to have a little bit of common sense on, on the finances of the game because I, I just think that they've had a good time. The players have done well out of it and rightly so because you know, if I was a player, I'd want to get as much as I could. But looking at it realistically... I moved on when I was playing for, for Witness because they went into administration They and they said, look, Jeff, we can't afford you. You've got to go. So I, I said, right, OK, all of a sudden, look at another club and off I went. So it, it does happen in sport.
3: When you look at the regions, and I'm going to pick one out in particular, Jiffy, Ospreys, do you think they'll be around in two, four years' time? And I say the Ospreys because they were so big and I look at the lack of crowd for such a big team. I just don't know how that's sustainable.
4: No, you know, if, if you get if you look at a sixty cap rule, if you look get the finances and, and have and have a plan, then you can have the benefactors coming in and say, okay, look, the benefactors can maybe buy two marquee players fold in the back, I don't know. Just but you've got to look you've got to look at it all at everything and see where they are. The ospreys maybe are the more vulnerable because you've got Leslie which covers all of, of West and kind of North Wales. Then you've got Cardiff, you know, the capital city. The Dragons are owned by WIU. That's another story. So the Ospreys, they've been the real, you know, they've been a a proper region, I suppose. You know, they've been Neath and Swansea and Maesteg and Bridgend and Aberrave. They would look at the most vulnerable, maybe, if they cut them down to to three. But then saying that, the union could say, look, you get rid of, of Dragons. And are they going to cut it to three? Are they going to keep it to four? Are they, going to, are they just going to get East and, and West Wales? Unless you're round that table and you've got you know, the finances and, and everything in front of you and work out what's best for everyone. It's, I think it's very, very difficult to, kind of to guess what's, what's going to happen. What
0: would Jiffy do? That's the question.
4: I'd like to keep four, right? Because I, I think there's enough talent in Wales. If they cut it to, you know, three or two, then the premiership has to, you know, really be looked at. You've got the premiership, which is the jewel they've said the jewel in the crown. It's just been a waste of time. They don't know what they're doing, you know. Do they want to win it? Is it for development? Or the young players aren't getting enough games? or we'll check them in the Premiership. So you have to look at it and say, right, what's best for rugby? How do we develop the youngsters? How do we play them? But I still think there's is enough talent in Wales for four teams. But it all depends on on the finances. I don't know what you boys think, but the salaries that the players are having, I, I don't, I don't think it's sustainable. Is that, do you think that's the case as well? And it has to be looked at. Well, I've
0: I've said that and I agree with what you're saying and I want players to earn as much as possible, but Jim Jim thinks they should get paid even more and more and more and and then the game completely goes bust, right, Jim? (laughs) Well, I think they need to
3: consolidate. I think there's too many teams trying to do the same thing. I think you should let the teams that want to spend, spend, and if that means you've got teams full of superstars and then you've got a level underneath or you can tier players, so if you're a British and Irish lion, you get paid X, you know, say 500 grand a year, you can be a marquee player, but I just think there needs to be like a standard contract level and then that way it's clear and also know what you're getting paid so we know what players are getting and if they're playing in Wales if they're playing in England you know what the the salaries are and it's transparent like football
4: if they found out how much certain players are on I think they would be shocked I, I, I definitely think and then the sympathy would then go with the union I think that, that would happen if they knew much. Because I'm thinking if the best players are there and they're, you're, they're the marketing tools, they're the ones that the sponsors bring up, you've got to pay them the go-in rate, okay, if you want your superstars. But then I think there's a lot of journeymen or mm. average players who are getting paid far in excess of their ability. Why are you looking at me and Jim when you say that as well?
3: Jiffy, <laughs> <laughs> just another one from me. You mentioned what's going on around the table are the right people around there? Steve, Steve Phillips has resigned. You've got Nigel Walker now in charge. Have they got the right people around the table or not?
4: Look, when the allegations came out of the sexism, misogyny, there's quality people on the professional board, right? And I would assume that they would maybe come in and help out. But I don't know who's around the table. I think you know, it's you just got to sit down and sort it out and have a little bit of common sense. I think. But I, that's coming from both sides, though, you know. One of the thirty directors accused the union of bullying them because they're the paymasters and they, you know, they can tell you what's happening and how much you can have. So you can't have that. You've got to have a, a reasonable understanding of of each other's roles, and then, as I said before, hopefully work in harmony. But I do think if they do give the money, whether they have some kind of control over them that they have to put a certain amount of money into different. Into different areas like uh, development, everything. Because what's going to happen is if you give more money, it's going to go more to the players. You know, so it's you can understand uh, the union's predicament, but then you know the, the the regions want as much money as they can, I suppose. But they can't they can't squander it. Do you think what the players are asking for is reasonable? It's the start of negotiations when they've come to the table to start off something. You know, because I'm sure this will drag on beyond the Six Nations. But to get the game going, they need some kind of answers. It doesn't help. They've lost the last two games as well. But you know what it's like. Social media, there'll be support for them, support against them. And it's just it's just a shambles at the moment. That's that's the only word I can describe it. It is a mess for everyone. I'm sure the, the union don't want to do this in the middle of the Six Nations. They don't want oh, to It's do embarrassing. It. Yeah, it is embarrassing. You know, when the likes of WASPs can go, when the likes of Worcester can go. And, and Leicester, Leicester's a brilliant club with big support, great board, great sponsors, you know, they're full houses all the time and if they're kind of struggling with cash flow problems, you can't imagine what the other clubs are going through and it's the benefactors again that kind of lump in again and say, right, okay, we're okay. What if the benefactors just walk away? The game dies. That's it. The benefactors in Wales have been amazing but without the benefactors in Wales, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have professional rugby in Wales and yet, you know, they they give some kind of points in to move forward. That takes a Mickey out of the the benefactors a little bit. You know, they're not dull people. They're they, you know, they're experienced business people. who It's a hobby, yes, you know, for them. But they're not going to squander money and the and, and the way the union are treating them. So again, it's a little bit of respect and common sense on both sides. Hopefully, we'll we'll get through this. Jiffy, you sound like the man to get in there and fix it all.
0: Get around the table.
4: I think it's sometimes you just need a little bit of straight talking. and everyone's scared of saying things. It's got to be a lot of straight talking, some, some give and take on both sides, and have a plan. <laughs> so most businesses, you know, people have plans, but this doesn't seem <laughs> to be any plans.
0: Yeah, very true, very true. Let's park that for a minute then, Jiffy. Let's talk about... If the game does go ahead, which we all hope it does, where are Wales at the minute? Obviously, Gats came in. Everyone expected to see a big bounce in terms of performance. You know, they've played two, lost two. Obviously, against Ireland, the best team in the world, they had their trousers pulled down a bit. But up in Scotland, they had their trousers pulled down again. Where do they go? Do they go young? Do they go back to the old boys? Does he have a mix?
4: What does Gats do? It was madness, really. You know, we'd lost against Italy. We'd lost against Georgia. We were in a winning position against Australia, and we threw that away. And then all of a sudden, you know, Gatland comes in and there's false optimism everywhere. Oh, yeah, we'll beat Ireland. I think, hang on now, you're talking about a side brilliantly coached, right? The regions are going well over there and they've just beaten New Zealand in their own backyard, right? So I was thinking, where's this come from? Only because of Gatland. So I kind of felt that they'd lose to uh, to Ireland. Scotland, it all depended on how Scotland bounced back. And, they, you know, it's just... The lack of patterns and plays and tactics that I find that we don't go through the phases. Ken, I feel sorry for Ken Owens. He carries you know all the time. He gets battered and he gets up and goes again. He gets battered. So I think everyone's got to share share the workload now. You know what it's like when you're playing and on, on the attack. That's all you got to do is make the defence make decisions. And if they make the right ones, fair enough, you've had a go. If they make the wrong ones. You maybe go through and score, right? And But we're not actually asking any questions for defences. We go a few phases, Dan Bigger gets back in the pocket and we kick it. So that's been the frustration for me, not having lost. We have, we don't know what style of play we're playing and we don't execute anything. So, yeah, they've played with a lot of heart. But I think selection is huge for this weekend. Uh, I think Falatao has got to come back. Maybe Tompkins goes in at 12 with, with George at 13. The Gloucester Flyer comes in, Zamet, he's got to come in. But the thing is, we don't get that, we got nice back three, but we don't use them. And the way, and I'm looking at it, that's Wales. With England against Italy, I didn't understand their tactics where they went one or two phases into the 22, they kicked. Okay, if it comes off, fair enough, it's a try. But that if they, if they come with that, that against Wales and, and be static, Wales just love a dogfight. And if that's the case, I think Wales will win. He's believing. He's back, Jiffy's back. He sold it to me. Going to Italy <laughs> or going to France, right? I think they could lose both of them, right? England at home and the way England are playing, it plays into Welsh hands, I think. But if they go through phases and they ask questions, then England, you know, might have a better side. But if they don't and they kick possession away, then I think Wales will win. It'll be a dog it will be it won't be the prettiest game if Wales win, let me tell you.
1: Is Dan Beggar still the man to lead your side around the park?
4: That's a big question, isn't it? Unless, unless he engages with his centres and the opposition, I think I think you have to go with someone else. Really?
3: Oh, Jeffy.
4: I love Dan. Right? Dan is, if he wants anyone to play in your team, he's your man. You know, he played well in Northampton. He played with the Ospreys. He's a big character and, he, and he's a winner. But at the moment, I can't see him engaging with his centres. There's no options. If you watch that triangle... With Scotland and with Ireland, but also they haven't got the forwards to tip off as well. The forwards have got to carry these days. You can't just lumber up and down like a dumb, like a dummy runner all the time. You've got to be able to, you know, get involved in the plays. And and if you look at that Irish James Lowe's try, which wasn't a try, if you look at it, they they're brilliant. What they do is with Faz and used to be in It's like a, in rugby league, all right. Two two plays. Hit the 50, hit the 30, whatever, and they know a plan is on. You could read it for this, for that training. It took one in, two drives in. When the ball came out, quick little pod, out to the sexton. You had Marnie and the prop there as ball players, and then you had James Ryan in the full back position. So all of a sudden, and then Lowe's could hang on the wing and they score on the same thing with a Keenan try. From a kick out, right, what are we doing? We'll hit midfield. Everyone knows his job. Bang, little run around prop passes inside Keenan's up the middle and you could see that plan was on because you had four supporting runners with him so it's a a rugby league two in get the field position get a play on even the Scottish centres you know Topolotu he's he's a bit of a ball player now and we haven't got that and if Dan hasn't got that I think we have to get someone who has got it and then Anscombe was the one Patchell maybe is the one coming up now but we haven't got that strength in depth that are other sides of got. Selection is going to be massive for Wales going into this game. Are the Welsh
3: public with the team, do you think? Are they going to be there with all the noise like we know they are normally?
4: You know, Cardiff is like an international day, especially with England as well. And it's a quarter of five kick-off, so that the atmosphere would have been building very, very well. So, yeah, you you can see they are with the players because that's their livelihood. So they, they put themselves in that situation. I think, you know, if I didn't know where my income will be coming in me, I would be worried and looking for another job I suppose so there's that connection there and if the game goes on yeah there'll they'll be an amazing atmosphere on Saturday absolutely amazing atmosphere they know they'll need the help of the crowd there you know two losses down big drivers coming into the into the principality so yeah without a shadow of doubt it'll be noisy on Saturday oh Jiffy you convinced me that Wales are going to win now Wales are going to win <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jeffy, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate all all the insight as well.
4: Yeah, hopefully now next time we can talk about rugby, and not politics in Welsh rugby. it would be nice. (laughs) Bit of both. Bit of both. Cheers, boys.
5: Cheers, Jeffy. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.
2: Get your oil change brakes checked tons of other multi-care services it's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car jiffy lube car more to find coupons and start an instant online estimate visit jiffy lube.com Top Top
0: what they need to do is get jiffy around the table and he will tell both sides of the party you got to give a bit, you've got to take a bit. It will get sorted, wouldn't it?
3: I don't know. It's Welsh Rugby Union, mate. I really don't know. I think even if they get Scott Quinnell, bring Telfrin as a Scotsman to fire some people up, but something needs to get done. And unfortunately, it's got to this point for them, hasn't it? And we're watching it unfold. But yeah, like you can hear the passion, like Jiffy, yeah. like any Welshman you speak to, if it's Jiffy, Scott Quinnell... I mean, the great's gone by. You, you could go through the archives, couldn't you? Like, passion's never an issue. It's just the passion's there with no shirts so on, wearing a vest with a cowboy hat on. Someone needs to shake the loo there. I reckon.
0: It's funny, though, isn't it? Like, when Jiffy says, who's sat around the table? Like, no one knows, right? Yeah, we're in this position where the players might be striking on Wednesday. How has it got to this point when you've got someone like Jiffy, as passionate as they are, where he can't be a mediator or someone with a bit of common sense be a mediator? It just It's just bonkers, isn't it? And again, you go back to that word, the trust word. No one trusts anyone. You can say something to someone's face in, in Welsh rugby and then they'll turn around and go, oh, he didn't say that. It'll be something else. And what a shit show. But he convinced me that Wales can now beat England. What I didn't say is, can you stop our driving more? Because that's all we got. But how about that? Gats, get Jiffy in there. He'll, he'll pump the boys up, wouldn't he? Gets Scott Quinnell in
1: there.
3: I'd literally run through a wall for him. Yeah. I'm Scottish anyway.
1: Have you guys ever been in this situation
3: where... You were about to strike, or you did strike. No, I was a lemming. I had the bollocks, <laughs> even though mine are small, but I did have them to do it, but I just weren't good enough as a player. <laughs> I reckon Goody definitely did, or was close to,
0: a few times. Yeah, well, we came close to it in brief, actually, in my spell there. I remember we got called in midway through the season. We, I think it was like January time. And we got called in, and it's like, right you're getting paid next week but we're going to cut everyone's contracts by 25% otherwise we're going bust and it was literally that was it so the players sat there and we were like hold on a minute what the hell's going on here ultimately our owner at the time who was a lovely bloke Daniel de he his company his board had voted that they had to sell the club or give the club up because it was hemorrhaging money and so immediately Simon Gillam who is now the one of the owners of Brieve, who was the chief exec at the time he sat us down and said this is what's going to happen the French players all just said yeah no problem got out the white flag and agreed it all the English speaking players whether you were South African whether you're a New Zealander whether you were English Welsh we had an Irish lad there as well we anyone that was not French just went no we're not having this we need to talk about it first So it all got a bit hairy and then luckily for me, the Sharks came in and said, well, we're desperate for a 10, so we'll take up your contract. So I was like, lads, I'm out of here. And we're seeing that now around everything that's happened this season for Wasps and Worcester players. So horrible position to be in, but ultimately I get it from every side because rugby for a long time now has been writing checks they can't cash across the board. And that's a big issue. Whereas at some point you wake up and go, shit, we can't afford this anymore. We've got to do something about it. But also you want players to earn as much as they can. But money doesn't grow on trees, as my mum and dad always used to say to me.
3: But you say that and the RFU would have paid Eddie how much out? The WRU would have had to pay him Wayne Pivak out and bring Gatland in. This is the whole story of the rich just get richer yep. and the poor just get poorer. It's what it's one of these things that you see in every walk of life. I just find it hard to believe that people say the reason that this has happened is because of inflation in players' salaries. I don't believe that that is the case. That that'll be a small part of it, like absolutely because they've definitely gone up. But I think for the WIU, if they did use that excuse, for example, how much do they pay Pivac? How much do they pay in Gatland? How much do they pay Gatland and Sean Edwards and all their coach? Not that these guys aren't worth it. I'd pay them two million pound if they're that good, if I had the money or whatever. But it's more than that. There's, it's across the board. The TV rights is one of the big things. Like they've got all that wrong. The the fact that none of that is joined up. I know we're going off on a tangent here, but. There's so many different layers and different reasons in all this. I know you said that the staff at the clubs are important and they are very important. The number one people in this and we'll stand by them. Well, I certainly will stand by them as the players. That's it. They're the ones that are going out there, putting themselves in danger for a game, a sport, entertainment or whatever it is. And they need to have a bigger voice in all this than like you said, more than the dinosaurs are at the top table at the minute.
1: Jim, I saw you were prolific over the weekend on Twitter with your thoughts on trying to save the game?
0: Take out the scrums. Take out the scrums. (laughs) Andrew, (laughs) did
1: you watch my
3: interview with Dino or not? Are you just going based on the clickbait headline that got released by myself? Hey,
0: it's what you're putting out there, son. So do explain yourself, James. Well, a lot of people didn't. So a lot of
3: people have just seen it and the passive aggressive nature, I was starting to get fired up. Like, as in, I'm shadow boxing in the bedroom because of what's coming back. it was a snapshot of society and again the fact that you have a different opinion to me is absolutely fine and my opinion isn't get rid of the scrums in rugby so if people would have listened or watched the interview that I did with Dean it was a suggestion of how to move the game forward as much as people didn't like to see that or don't want to hear it or completely shut it down and say you're an idiot and there was loads of stuff that was coming through some of it was fucking pretty nasty to be honest with you we're talking about a scrum and people are coming back and they're getting all passive aggressive they've got an issue come and say it to me face and then we'll see who's passive aggressive there you go
0: <laughs> I'm joking
3: <laughs> me and Dean Richards had a had a conversation about it and one of the, the discussions is whether or not people like it or not is how you improve the game of rugby and Goody I'll be interested in this is something we haven't spoken about but there needs to be a shift right and chatting to Bernard Jackman last week he spoke about the Ireland-France game, one of the best games that we've seen in the Six Nations, maybe ever. I wouldn't go that far, but it's one of the best games we've seen. Had five scrums, and that didn't come into it. I know that South Africa won the World Cup off the back of a scrum, but let me put this in there because a lot of people that were angry probably listened to the podcast, or they've probably stopped listening to the podcast now, Goody. I'm sorry, because I said these things. I love the scrum. I love mauling. I love fucking counter-rucking. I love watching it. I love... The dark arts of the game that a lot of people don't understand, that's where I made a career. That's what gave me a life. So I love it personally. This, for me, is about how we evolve and how we make the game more entertaining. Not for the people coming back to me on Twitter, not for Goody, not for me, not for you, Andy Rowe, not for people listening to this podcast who are the rugby purists. This is about the next group of people coming through and getting them involved to watch the game of rugby. And I think sitting through a game where you're watching in the stadium or you're watching on TV and you're watching something that you have no idea what is going on, the referees half the time make the wrong decisions. Us as pundits, when we're commentating or whether we're passing judgment on it, most of the time we're wrong as well. You've got Dave Flatman on ITV and we love David Flatman. Dave Flatman's talking about the break foot, Italy versus England they've got no idea what you're talking about. As Stephen Varney is feeding the ball into the number eight's feet and the ball's played away, it's a suggestion of how we speed up the game and we take out any of these unknown things that people who were trying to bring into the game, casual fans, that was my point. It wasn't get rid of the scrums full stop. It was a suggestion and a thought provoking subject of how we move the game forward, and there's loads like there's people there saying about no subs, or you, you listen to the guys on b t sport and Austin talk about it, get rid of them all like there needs to be a shift right, I think, and I think that the scrum has become that much of an issue in terms of how long it's
0: taking, and the fact that most of the time it results in the wrong decision anyway yeah I understand and and listen, scrums are an integral part of the game, in my opinion, you know, that battle between two packs, the fact that you can launch an attack off a scrum with so much space drive a line out same thing you know i think we need to be traditionalists around the game as to what makes it great but also agree with jim on speeding the game up in certain ways and how we go about that is entertainment my flip argument to it and everyone talks about america and tv deals and all this stuff and where's the money and all that the most watched sport in america is the most stop start game you've ever seen in your life in the nfl It is a 60-minute game played over four quarters, which takes about 15 hours because it's so stop and start. And there's so many nuances to it, but it works there. So from my perspective, there's ways of growing the game and there's ways of speeding the game up. And some refs are unbelievable at it now. Luke Pierce, as an example, unbelievable at trying to speed the game up.
3: What suggestion would you have, Andrew? If there was one thing you could change, what would you do? Here's one for you. Why don't we swap the pitch around and make it wider and play sh- shorter and wider? It's not, it's not <laughs> Rugby Union, James. That is not Rugby Union. Rugby Union's dying, Goody. Rugby Union's on its back. Something
0: needs to change. On the pitch and off the pitch. It's my life. I mean, on the pitch, the product on the weekend is phenomenal. That was class. And I, I, t- I tweeted it. Premiership rugby, best rugby league in the world.
3: Can't say rugby league. People are going to get confused if you say rugby league. It's the best
0: league of rugby union in the world, James, in terms of how it's played, the excitement, the comebacks, the fact that now there's 11 teams and a lot of them can beat each other, how competitive it is. So the product on the field is amazing. It's just off the field, there's loads of issues around how clubs are run. Take the Worcester example. The administrators have allowed Atlas, led by Jim the Tool O'Toole and James Sanford, to have control of the club, yet they haven't even passed the fit and proper persons test with the RFU. So, like, this is the thing. They have.
3: They haven't. A- Andrew, they've got a tweed jacket and they've got a boat shoes. They have passed it. <laughs>
0: there you go. With flying colours. So it shows the shit show that is rugby union at the minute off the field and how it's run and what a mess it is and everything needs to line off the field. The one law I'd change on the field is the mall law. So, whichever team goes forward in that mall where it's a held-up tackle and it's a mall... Yeah, whoever's going forward should just get the scrum if it collapses or you know, if it comes to a standstill. That might speed the game up a little bit because it might attract people to throw more people into the mall, James, and have more people like your good self who can maul it to the cow sheds and back. And that creates space elsewhere for more people like myself to find the space with a pass and have some speed on the edge for players like Mike Brown at 37 years of age to just rock up and play super well after 11 months.
1: Well, let's have a look at what's happening on the field then because... Hopefully, we've got a big game to be played at the Principality this weekend. Where's the game going to be won and lost between England and Wales, lads? Two teams that are struggling. Two teams that are in transition.
3: Two teams that I'm not bothered about because we have got France in Paris. Um, but I really don't know. I don't I don't see how Wales win this. But I've said that. How many times have I said that? If you would have stitched all that together, producer Rob, how many times have I said?
0: You've basically just given Wales the victory by saying that Wales can't win it. Because you, your clown, you've always written them off. Then they win the Grand Slam. Then they win the Six Nations or whatever. Now, you've just said it deliberately so they beat England. You're horrible man, Jim. You're English. Never forget your roots.
3: I've done it on purpose. I'm quarter English and you're a bit Welsh. So I'm your bit of Welsh because we're doing this together. So backs against the wall, everything that's going on. I don't know how Wales win it, but you can see them winning it because of the emotion and the drama and everything in it. If it does go ahead... I think the energy and the atmosphere, and I hope the public come out to support if the tickets aren't ridiculously overpriced, I know there's another issue with that, but trying to stay positive and try and build up the game. Imagine the energy and the atmosphere and the emotion from the players as well. Like imagine the build up that they're going to have, not just as players, but as their families, the coaches, the fans. And it's always an an unbelievable game, isn't it? But
0: it will be electric if it goes ahead. And, the quicker the wru come out and say listen we've heard what the players say we you know we're happy to agree to those terms that can build the emotion in the whole of wales around hey there's light at the end of the tunnel for this shit show that's been going on you know behind boardroom doors and everything like that so i think they've got the firepower wales you know that they've got a big performance gatlin can get some emotional energy out of this wales team for one big performance they they went into that ireland game pumped up to the eyeballs discipline was abysmal in that first half Ireland were outstanding put them to the sword it was then a dead second half wasn't it you go up to Scotland you're in the fight you know if Rio Dyer catches the ball just before half time you've got a different team talk at half time you you're perhaps ahead up there and then you can play on emotions a bit in the second half but Scotland was so good in that second half they took them to pieces when England go to town in Cardiff there's a whole new level of emotion that comes out of the whole of the Welsh public. They really hate us. And that'll be inbred inside the players as well. The physicality that they need to bring. What did you say? What did you say it would be? I said inbred in them. I they're not inbred, James. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, these subtle things that you put are but you're also a smart man. Like you are a smart man. You know what you're doing. So, yeah, I mean, where does he go? Does he bring Faletown back in, Alan and jones Ken Owens, obviously, as captain at the minute, Tipperick, or do you go with the youngsters, or is there a blend? I think there'll be a blend. I think people are crying for Owen Williams to start ahead of Dan Bigger, which I think is madness. I like Owen Williams, good player. He didn't have a club a few months ago, and he's played well for the Ospreys, but this is Dan Bigger we're talking about, one of the most competitive players you've ever seen in that 10 jersey so I think for Wales what do they need to bring they need to sort the discipline out that's the main thing and there's a line between the passion and the energy that Gats can give them to go and try and dismantle an English team that let's be honest an English team that's we're finding our feet we're we're trying to understand how to play the game there's question marks around what we can do is drive a fucking mall to the cow sheds and back so don't take out the mall because we're good at that James, is that going to be the next thing you're going to say? Take out the mall and the scrum. Never. The way we played against Italy, tactically, would be the right way to go down to Cardiff in that first half. Looking at how Scotland and Ireland beat Wales, the pace that they played at Scotland in that second half, the energy that they brought in attack, the the speed of ball at the breakdown, you know, winning the collisions uh, and then profiting from playing against a disorganised defence so you're on the back foot that's what England need to look to do and we're going to go down there no doubt with the same game plan that Steve Borthwick always employs which is driving line outs box kicking playing a big territorial battle to try and push Wales back into their own half and force them to play from deep and it will be a real tactical battle that whoever kind of blinks first around making an error in their own half from trying to run it out and you can see certain players will have more energy to do that than others. Discipline around that. And discipline isn't just giving penalties away at the breakdown. Discipline is sticking to your structures and how you play and England will go with a, a pretty simple game plan and try and take them on up front with a solid kicking game and a force of pressure game on, on a Wales team that played two, lost two and played two and lost two pretty convincingly as well.
1: Do you see many changes that Borthwick's going to bring in? Tom Curry, Courtney Laws? Tom Curry definitely in. Well, he was good.
0: He was good but then how good was Jack Willis when he played he was pretty much the best player on the field at times Jack Willis and he took him off early uh, listen Tom Curry is a wonderful talent and he was very good at the weekend I can see him being in the mix Courtney Laws someone you got to remember he ain't not any rugby has he Courtney
3: no he won't come straight back in court he might be on the bench
0: yeah I can't see him being back in the mix it's great to have around the place I think Chesham's played really well Ludlum's played really well as well, hasn't he, in the back row? And they're the two positions that Courtney could cover, six or second row, and it's a tough one, isn't it?
3: He'll be on the bench. He'll be on the bench, Courtney Laws, I think. Not that Nick Izzikwe hasn't yeah. done amazingly well, but it's Courtney Laws. He covers both end positions. I don't think the line-out's a huge issue against Wales. I think you've got enough with Ollie Chesham and Marrow. Marrow needs to play well. Let's put it out there. I think you've got enough options with him. So you might see Willis, Tom Curry... And Ludlam at eight. That's the rumour. Then the other one, Goody, is Ollie Hassel Collins injured,
0: isn't he? He's gone back with a knee. Yeah, I think you'll see Anthony Watson on the wing, bring him back. Not Arundel? Yeah, I mean, Arundel, I'd definitely have him involved, but I just think going down to Cardiff, he might, he might go back to... Hey, listen, Steve Borthwick isn't shy of an old player, as he? He's brought Dan Cole back. And not that Anthony Watson's old, but it's a, a flip of the coin in terms of experience and understanding the, the heat that's going to come and having someone like Anthony Watson with all his experience, or just going, balls out, there you go, Arundel. You know, show us what you are. Because he's a world of a player, Arundel. I'm not sure how great he's going to be on, under the high ball, under that pressure, on the wing, maybe.
3: He might be up against Lewis reece Summit though. It might be like wheels on wheels.
0: Wheels. Wheels on wheels. How good was it seeing Lewis Rees Summit back at the weekend?
3: Yeah, he was class. He was ridiculous. How funny was George Skivinson's interview? He didn't want to talk him up. But I spoke to Rayo after, I was like, mate... They just said, oh, we're just trying to keep him grounded because they've got all the Netflix cameras following him at Gloucester and stuff
0: as well as his returns to fitness, but wheels on wheels.
1: George Ford back in the squad as well. Do you think he'd be involved?
0: Nah. He's been out for eight, nine months with an Achilles injury and he's played probably about 70 minutes of rugby, hasn't he, in total. Two appearances off the bench. Um, There wasn't anything in the game on Saturday that I saw around George Ford going, geez, he should definitely be in the match day twenty three, listen, he's a wonderful player, George Ford at club level, and he's got a, he's had a big international career. Uh, I just don't see George Ford in in any sort of form or position to say, hey, pick me or put me on the bench. But then again, I just said it before about experience. He likes experience, and you know, could he put George Ford on the bench and drop Marcus Smith? Why would you think that, Jim?
3: I don't think that, but he, no, he does like George Ford because all the whispers and the rumours coming out and the northern affiliation. What
1: are you want about he's going to favour a
3: northerner over someone that's from London? What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: all
1: right, Jim. I know you want to get into the weeds on this one. Scotland, France. They're taking 30, Jim. Well, who France are? Mate, France are all right at the minute. They're at home. Scotland
0: are
3: taking 30, I reckon. Absolutely no chance. We are. So much better than taking 30 points. I look at Goody, he's just like, as in, writing that down
0: <laughs> so I can get
3: you next week. The greatest Scotland team ever. This is our year. No, then no, no. If both teams play as well as they can, then France are eight points better than Scotland. If we say it frankly, right, in terms of the quality of players that they've got. But France aren't playing that well. They're Batrow, who I'm a huge fan of Olivan and Gregory Audry, who's just all right at the minute it's just all right they're not playing as well France it's there it's clear to see but it's France and we beat them there two years ago so they're going to be motivated like Bernard Jackman said didn't he? he's like it's probably not a bad thing for France to refocus their minds going into the World Cup the fact that they've not been completely on it but Scotland, have I said we're good or not? Have I said we're a good team? This is our year. This is our year. If we beat this one, we are on for a Grand Slam. So I don't want to put any pressure on the lads, but this is it. This is the biggest game ever for us. here we
0: go. Ever, ever.
3: Ever, ever, because two weeks after that, we've got Ireland at home, and that is the Grand Slam decider. That is not just the Grand Slam decider. It's the Triple Crown decider. So, Yeah. A big, big game for us. If both teams are on fire, France will win, but we might get them on an off day. They've not been as good, and we've been very good at times, but we've also got a lot to work Look at
0: me. We, we've got bits and bobs to work on, you know? We're not the finished article. <laughs> the question mark around Scotland is always, they've had big performances, but then there's been a flop somewhere, hasn't there? And with France, they were average against Italy, just sort of squeaked past Italy, They played reasonably well in that humdinger of a game against Ireland, but you also know that at some point they've got a monster of a performance in them as well, haven't they, with the quality they've got. So I do worry for Scotland that they'll find it this weekend, but I also look at the Scotland team and go, they've got big cojones around them in in terms of how they've fronted up against England physically, what, what they did in that second half to Wales after they were under the pump in that first half a bit, weren't they, against Wales? And physically they're a completely different beast, I think, to Scotland teams of old, even though they had one of the greatest ever, most physical ever Scots in the second row in Scott Murray for years. So, <laughs> I meant you, Jim, obviously. But yeah, you can see all sorts of results in this one, can't you? It's so hard to predict because France could be really good. If they're hot on that day, You know, they know they've got to win to try and stay in the comp. They've also got to sort themselves out. Imagine Sean Edwards this week. like He'll be chomping at the bit. George Turner, out. Kyle Stein, what? Oh, these are fucking South Africans in a Scotland jersey in disguise. <laughs> so he'll get motivated. I can see Scotland winning, I really can, on the on the form they're at, and what France have shown so far in the first two rounds, but I can also see a twenty point victory for for France as well, if things don't click for Scotland. And that's the beauty of the Six Nations, isn't it? You know, Scotland are up there mixing it with they 2 played two one two. Of course they've got a chance of the Grand Slam, you know, which to some people sounds crazy to say, but respecting them for what they've put out there in the first two games, where they're at with the squad, how comfortable they look with each other and how they're playing. Obviously, the relationship between their most important player and Finn and the rest of the the group, but also with Gregor, it bodes well for Scotland. But you also know at some point they could um, put in an underperformance, which could be very costly over in France. So I'm going Scotland to lose by 12, James.
3: Oh, okay. So it's not 30. Just a little bit of light analysis, if I may. The physicality part, you mentioned it there, Goody. If France bring that and they get on the front foot and they get the speed of ball, that's where we're going to struggle. So, oosh. Yeah, breakdown. We need to get the breakdown and slow that down. Does a Hamish Watson come back in at seven? Ah, they got hunt by Scarlets at the weekend. Not that it was his fault, but they need to get the breakdown and slow that down. So, hey, that's my analysis for the game. Stop the breakdown. There you go. I should be a
1: coach. Let's have a quick look at Italy v Ireland. Can you see any way Italy can compete with Ireland? No. <laughs> the end. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, straight into our Fanzo punt predictor
0: there. Uh, Ireland, you hope to see a few changes, but it's the balance of how many changes you make. Coombs at Munster was ridiculously good at the weekend. He's been playing exceptionally well, but then you've got the best number eight probably in the world right now in Caleb Miel, Doris starting week in, week out. He's not going to want to give up his jersey. You know, do you play... Burn at 10 and, and rest up Sexton because it's Italy. I think back to the game in the autumn when he made loads of changes, Andy Farrell, and then he was raging because they didn't perform very well. And I just wonder whether that would be in the back of his mind on how many changes he makes because he's got to have short-termism around trying to win a Grand Slam, but also long-termism around World Cup. We need other players to, to play and it's a it's a very difficult balance to find. Everyone expects him to win, so it is a banana skin. It's in Italy. We saw them raise their game against France there and they played some really good stuff against England at the time with Capuzzo they are dangerous but I just can't see the Italians causing Ireland enough damage to you know get the victory but it, it'll be a work of my performance by Ireland I can't see them blitzing them by 50 but they will win
1: well let's get your predictions on all the games now then with the Fanzo pint predictor it's not too late to sign up every week and every game gives you a chance to win a free pint of Guinness so just download the Fanzo app and enter the league code rugby pod Italy Ireland Who's winning by how much?
0: Ireland by
1: 22. 22. France, Scotland. Scotland by six. France by 15. And Wales v England, uh, if it goes ahead.
0: I will go England by seven. Oh, really? I'm going to go Wales by six. Grow up, Jim. Just grow up, <laughs> will you?
3: Hey desperate, hey, desperate measures. Desperate measures. course, of desperate time. If they play d- damn Bigger at 10. If they don't, then I'm going to change it and put it England as 10.
1: Should we have a look at a couple of the main games from the Prem and the URC lads? Let's do it. Who you got? Who are the main ones? Mainly the Prem. The rerun of the final on Sunday. Leicester won that again against, well, with the oldest backline in Premiership history. Brownie, he was class, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, I'm so pleased with Brownie. He didn't realise, 11 months out of the game since he last played. 11 months, put that into perspective, when you're that age. And he's been, you know, he's a friend of the show now. I've spoken to him quite a few times off air as well. Lovely bloke. And to see what it meant to him, Two things. Obviously, you know, he, he got quite emotional thanking his missus and everything. And then he put himself in the same bracket as LeBron James and uh, Tom Brady <laughs> as well uh, in terms of go-outs. But like, listen, he was, he was outstanding. How they look after each other and how they train and look after their bodies is a testament to why they can perform at the top level. And for someone to do it after 11 months out is phenomenal the way he did. And ultimately, he's a Harlequin playing for Leicester against Saracens he's always going to get a bit more out of himself playing against Saracens because of that history there as well but he was I thought he was wonderful in every facet of the game
3: it wasn't even a token gesture that he got man of the match he was the best player on the pitch yeah that was it and you think about who was on the pitch in terms of the quality across both teams Saracens had a few changes Obviously, because of the England players missing Leicester, exactly the same, but there was still quality out there. And Mike Brown was the best player on the pitch. Some of the try saving tackles where he knocks the arm of Van Seal as well, try saving intervention that he had there. I actually can't believe how good he was in that game. Yeah. Like, as in, if you're any team now, you're like, right, we need to snap this ladder. Like, he looked fit, he looked fast, he looked strong, he looked good under the high ball. And as we saw with the interview after, you can see how much he, it means to him and how much he wants it. But on the game itself, I thought that was the best game of the weekend. Physically, watching Jasper Visa and Billy Vanapola go at it. Some of the collisions, yeah. it was I, I thought it was awesome. I, I thought it was such a good game. That second half, especially Saracens, were clearly off in that first half. Uh, collisions, they were getting broken left, right and centre, literally.
0: The funny thing is, Jim, you say that first half, I nearly tweeted, this could be 50 This could be 50. I thought about tweeting it, and then I thought... They are awful. Yeah, because it could get Saracens fans on my back again, and I didn't bother. Thank God I didn't bother, because obviously Saracens came back and could and should have perhaps won it, but um, Leicester found it within themselves defensively.
3: Oh, defence, Goody.
0: How good. On their line. Yeah, phenomenal. You just expect Saracens to score with the power they've got, but the dog in that Leicester team, even Ashley trying to high-tackle everyone left, right and centre, he left his hands in the changing room as well, a little bit, Ashy as well, didn't he? But he was one up Billy, wouldn't he? Those two, there must be history
1: there. Wow, no one likes Ashy, does they that? <laughs> <laughs> Big old comeback from Saints. 20 points down to beat Sale 38-34.
0: Belter of a game. Like, Sale looks so good mm. uh, in that first half. And then, obviously, Manu's red card. What is he doing? I, I feel for Manu, but it's crazy what he did. Like, he's just aggressive. He's obviously been dropped from England, wants to prove a point. And he knows his face himself, when he saw it on the big screen, he was like, oh, God. That's red mist. Yeah, it is red mist. And we know certain players have got that in them, haven't they? He'll get banned. That's probably a Six Nations over. But Sale looked really good until their discipline, which is their Achilles heel for a long time, reared its kind of ugly head. And Saints played at pace then. They were down to 13 men at one point, and with the spaces that you find on the field later in the game. It was a brilliant game, I thought. Sale looked really good, and if they can control their discipline, they're they're a top-notch team and have the ability to win the Prem, right? It's just their discipline is shocking at times. Northampton,
3: worst defence in the Prem, though. Yeah. If they want to go somewhere, they need to sort that out. Yeah,
1: 100%. Glasgow, big win to go 10 games unbeaten, Jim. In an absolute classic. Scrums, mauls loved it. All maul tries, but
3: Glasgow doing well. They are, like Ulster, dogged team, but yeah, something just seems a bit off at Ulster, doesn't it? Not the fact that they should have beaten Glasgow because Glasgow are a very good team, but it was just an old school game in the pissing wet dune at Dune. Jack Dempsey, I thought was very good. Sam Johnson in the centre at 12. Uh, it just shows you the strength and depth that Scotland have got now. And Fraser Brown on the bench, so there was a bit of a Scotland influence. Ali Price started at nine, but dogged performance. And Glasgow, for me, have over exceeded not that my expectations matter a fook. I, I just think they look a complete team. And in the rain at home against Ulster, who we know physically very good, Ulster's super strength is their driving line out. And Glasgow scored three tries there. So shows you how good Glasgow are at the minute. Wasn't so good for Edinburgh, though, was it, Jim?
0: Yeah, what's happened there, James? They've lost six out of their last seven games in the URC. Champions Cup, mate. We're, you know, the URC.
3: It is what it is, but we're all about the Champions Cup. Scotland's on a high, though, you said. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not, though, is it? We're, we've lost all our players, haven't we? Because all ah, our best here players we go. play. Here we and go. Scarlet's backs against the wall, and the fact that Edinburgh are concentrating solely on the Champions Cup, because we've got to go down to Leicester, who we know are very good. No, look, Scarlet's under Dwayne Peele. Uh, very good. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get, do you? You think the Scarlet should compete.
0: But they didn't just beat Edinburgh, they absolutely slippered them. Tell the skids that. The skids were phenomenal. Haggis everywhere. Yeah, there was a few. Haggis skids everywhere. We say that, there's a bit of built-on as well. There's a few South Africans (laughs) in
1: the team as well. Lost to each Quinns on Friday night, didn't they, Goody?
0: Yeah, hell of a ding-dong, actually. Really good game. Again, Premiership showing what a good league it is. And interestingly, Quinns took off Danny Kerr and Joe Marler later in the game, and they end up losing the game. So you question why they made those decisions. Quins have lost their last five games now in the Prem, but Gloucester, I'll say it again, Carreras, how good is he at 10? Like He looks like he's got time upon time on the ball. He can go to the line, he can dance around, he gets his hands free. Obviously, the try he creates for Lewis rees Summit who's celebrating from about 30 metres out, unless you're Lewis Rees-Sammett, right? Knowing no one's going to catch you. Really good game to watch. Quins were, I thought, probably their best performance in a, in a long time, but ultimately... Gloucester found the two tries towards the end to, to win the game and I'm watching Lewis Ludlow tackle. My God, that bloke just fires his body into absolutely anything. He's a monster, isn't he?
3: That's what you call heads in the spokes. You know when they the analogy, put your heads in the spokes and Ludd's will be like, Right, all righty then. Gloucester's so good to watch. I think they're they're one of the best teams to watch. And not that they're the complete on everything, but they're the complete team to watch. Good driving line out, they've got a good scrum. They're really physical at the breakdown. They score some brilliant tries and they've got X-Factor players. They're actually, when you think about that and the fact that Saracen's the top of the league and their toughest games this year have been against Gloucester and Leicester at the weekend, but when they're fully loaded, Saracen's toughest game has been against Gloucester. So naturally, we're going to have a keen eye on Gloucester. I'm there at Ed Slater's event on the 4th of March with some of the old boys and the new boys as well. So yeah, Good affiliation to Gloucester. It's good. They're going well. And Lewis Rieselment's back. And how good is he? And how fast is he? Very, very fast.
0: Very. Top four's getting very interesting. London Irish had a good win down at Bath as well, away from home. Yeah. Um, so they're right in the mix as well. So this finish to the Premiership season now, listen, Saracens are, are definitely one of the top two teams in terms of a home semi-final. Probably the top team. But you can see Sale have got a 12-point lead. So the fight for third and fourth between Northampton on 38 points, even probably down to... Now maybe not Bristol. Do you reckon Bristol, 27 points? You just never know. No, Leicester's win was important, keeping them in the mix, but it's going to be a hell of a finish to the Premiership season, isn't it? In terms of who's going to get in the top four.
1: Well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly.
0: Yeah, loads of good as ever this week. Uh, we're going to start off in France, James, and Perpignan. I get a shout out in the good this week. That's three wins on the spin for them. Let's take them off the bottom of the top 14. They beat Pooh,
3: And what, that puts them in the good, does it?
0: Well, they're three wins on the spin, so they're off the bottom of the... Top 14 now. So I thought I'd give them a shout out. And you get to say that they beat Pooh, So they beat Pooh 49 points to 29, James. So shout-out to Perpignan. Sticking in France, Bayonne Bayon. Get, uh, I mentioned the good as well. They're promoted this year into the top 14. They beat Stade Francais at the weekend with Camille Lopez kicking a penalty with the last kick of the game to beat Stade Francais. They're in the top six. They look good. And they've made some decent signings for next year as well. Over in the URC, we mentioned him earlier, Gavin Coombs on fire for Munster with a hat-trick. Sickening in the URC, the Scarlets get a mention of the Goode. All the trouble at the WIU wasn't shown in Stylestley at the weekend. They absolutely spanked Edinburgh. Haggis skids everywhere, 42 points to 14. So, massive shout-out to Dwayne Peel back and all the Scarlets boys. Glasgow get a mention of the Goode, as we just spoke about, unbeaten in 10 games across the URC and the Challenge Cup, two big competitions. But they beat Ulster 17 points to 11 in the rain at Scotstoun. so a uh, big shout-out to those boys. Sticking in the URC, the attendance for the Bulls against the Stormers and the battle yeah. between Jake White and John Dobson. The Stormers came to town. John Dobson will be absolutely delighted. As you know, Jim, I don't think he likes Jake White, does he? But the Stormers went up there. There was 40,000 people watching the Bulls lose to the Stormers at uh, Loftus first Vault. So a big shout out to everyone that went to watch and a big shout out to John Dobson and his Stormers boys for getting the victory.
3: Yeah, tweeted it. The URC is growing rapidly in South Africa. How many were the Lions game? Oh, I know you saw that tweet. <laughs> I know someone said, how many? How many?
0: Ten? I think there was 1,363 people. Who knows? Oh,
3: not that he's written it down. <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> what else was good? Let's go to Saints in the Prem and their comeback against Sale. 20 points down to get the victory, so big shout-out to them. London Irish winning down at Bath, and they are now top four contenders as well, so shout-out to the London Irish coaches and players. Gloucester got the victory over Quinns, a big win for them down at King's Home, a belt of a game on Friday night. But the good this week goes to, let's call them the Dads Army. We're going to start off with Danny Care breaking the record of Mike Brown, 352nd game for Harlequins on Friday evening. Alex Goode played his 350th game for Saracens at Leicester on Sunday, and then Mike Brown, he gets the good as well. 11 months out of the game, 37 years of age, a wonderful performance. Puts himself in the same bracket as Tom Brady and LeBron James about being an older athlete. But my god, what a performance from him at the weekend! So, the dad's army, Jimmy Gopperth, 200th premiership game, he gets a shout out. 39 years of it. are they still doing it, Jim? They're all older than us, but they're still going. Big shout out to those boys. And that's why Alex Goo, Danny Kerr and Mike Brown win the Goo this week. Errr, The bad, few bits of bad. We'll start off with the Ospreys. Who takes 50 points at Munster? Well, the Ospreys do. They're in all sorts of trouble, the WIU. And that showed on the field at the weekend. Edinburgh, get a mention in the bad this week as well, Jim. Taking 40 at the Scarlets. They've lost six of their last seven games. Probably since you started talking them up, Jim, I think. That's the problem.
3: All about Europe. Champions Cup, sorry, to be more specific.
0: There we go. Quins get a mention in the bad this week. Fifth straight defeat in the Premiership, although they played pretty well on Friday night. Bath, they get a mention as well. They lost 25 points to 10 at home to London Irish. A pretty poor performance from those boys. Cast, over in France, get a shout-out in the bad this week. They lost at home to La Rochelle, but that's only one victory in the last 10 games, and there's rumblings of coaches being sacked, etc., etc. Et at Cast. But the bad this week... Goes to the WIU and the absolute shit show that's going on behind the scenes with the players not knowing what's coming down the pipeline in terms of contracts. The strike threats going on this week. Hopefully, I say this on a Monday, hopefully if you listen to this on a Wednesday or a Thursday, the WIU have come to their senses. They're getting the bad at the minute because when they listen to this, they all give Alan and Jones, Ken Owens, Dan Bigger, everything they want. The 60 cap rule will be abolished. The guaranteed 100% of salary will be in there as well, and they'll get a, a voice on the professional game board there, and we will see Wales against England this weekend, and hopefully...
3: The Dragons winning.
0: No, I don't, oh, think... No, sorry. No, I don't think that's going to happen. So no. the Wru get the bad, but you've still got time to react, ladies and gentlemen, and sort the shit show out that is Welsh rugby at the minute. Then the ugly, we're going to start off with Sergio Parisa, your mate, Jim. See that? No,
3: I've read it. I didn't see
0: there it. There we go. Well, I've watched it as well. Red card for a tip tackle for Toulon against Toulouse. And he tip tackled Barassi or Brass. Call him what you will, Jim. Brass right. What else was ugly? Uh, Manu Tuolangi and his flying forearm to the throat of Tommy Freeman. That gets a mention in The Ugly. It doesn't win it because The Ugly this week is won by Jim O'Toole or Jim the Tool and James Sanford. Their takeover of Worcester Warriors has been an absolute shit show. Trying to rebrand it to Six Ways Rugby. They've not even passed the fit and proper person's test by the RFU, yet the administrator sold it to them. They clawed back some kind of credibility by holding a fans forum where they said they will will consider it as Worcester Warriors still, but what they're doing and trying to take over Stourbridge Rugby Club, dropping them by five or six leagues, wasn't what they said when they were going for the takeover. So an absolute shit show. Jim O'Toole, James Sanford, I'd pack your bags, boys. Give it to Dimes. Give it to Dimes and his crew. They'll save Worcester Warriors properly.
1: Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you?
3: Yeah, we have. Big shout-out to Darlington Moden Park Sharks Women, who've just ended their two-year winless run with a win over Wasps Ladies with some great set-piece, 100% in the line-out, and they've scrummaged to the cow sheds and back. And we love scrums. And they won 30 points to 5. Well done, the Sharks.
0: Yeah, a shout-out as well goes to Josh Yaxley, who's running 22 half-marathons in 22 days in memory of his younger brother Hugo who passed away in November 2020 in a car crash and his aunt as well who passed from cancer in April 2021 he started on the 15th of February and is finishing on the 9th of March so hell of an effort 22 half marathons in 22 days uh, I'm sure the feet are going to be sore so if everyone can donate what they can the link is at www.collectionpot.com
3: Yeah good on you Josh that's a hell of an effort we've got one final shout out as well it's a sad one and it's the Rams under 12s they lost their coach Spencer Jenkins to Covid just over a-, a year ago which was obviously a huge loss to everyone especially his wife Becky and rugby mad boys Sam and Josh at the weekend they played a memorial festival with the Rams taking on Bracknell Reading and
1: Tadley, which was a fitting memory for a great man. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, producer Robin. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to sign up for our live shows in Cardiff, Dublin, Belfast, and London on our website, therubypod.com. Just check us out on YouTube as well, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Ruby Spot a Pod. 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 <laughs>